and welcome to the Pro Advice Business Podcast Series. My name is Ben Leditschke and today I'm going to discuss entities and business structures and what might be the right fit for you. Just a bit about Pro Advice. We help family business prosper through integrating strategic business advice and accounting services. To hear more about our topic for today, my guest is Malcolm Beatty, an accountant from Pro Advice, who's plenty of experience in the pros and cons of each business structure when it comes to tax, risk, succession or asset purchase. Hello to you Malcolm. G'day Ben. Malcolm, initially I was just wondering what are the different entity options when it comes to running a business? Yeah well uh, basically uh, you have the sole trader, you have uh, partnerships, discretionary trusts and companies, probably the main uh, legal structures that um, many of our clients choose. Excellent. And within these uh, entities, what are the main differences between each and what are potentially some of the pros and cons? If you, if you could go through those for me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So with sole traders, uh, some of the pros are that it's, it's a simple structure. It's very simple to set up and, and operate and run. Uh, it's quite cheap and cost effective to run and set up. Uh, so it's a really good startup uh, type vehicle for those um, entering business for the first time or just starting out, um, yeah. So some of the negatives with the sole trader, however, are that there's no asset protection. So essentially, um, uh, the the personal assets of the the, the owner of that uh, the sole trader are, are, are essentially um, all part of the business. Um, so if something goes wrong with the business, can't pay its debts or get sued for some reason, then um, there's no protection there um, for the for the owner's personal assets. And also, the, the this structure can get quickly outdated. Um, with changing circumstances such as, you know, getting married or um, growing of the business, you know, and, and profits increasing. And, um, yeah, so that's some of the negatives of the, the sole trader. Uh, partnership. The uh, partnership is uh, kind of uh, very simple as well, a bit like the sole trader. Quite simple to set up and operate it, so quite cost-effective again. Um, and it's you know it's quite good in being able to introduce another person into the running of the business, such as you know a spouse or another relative. So it's quite good in that sense. Um, some of the negatives, however, uh, is that it's quite limited for succession planning um, purposes. So um, you know if you need to bring in another adult person into the business, then it, got, it does get uh, more complex to do that. Um, and yeah, not, not so great for yeah, succession and um, those sorts of issues. Uh, so that, that's a bit of an overview of the partnership. Uh, discretionary trusts, well, again, we, we, discretionary trusts are, uh, a, a bit, a bit, are a little bit more complex, I suppose, uh, to set up. Um, you need to um, arrange for a trust deed. Um, you need to appoint certain roles uh, to to operate the trust, such as uh, the appointor, uh, a trustee, Uh, you need to nominate the beneficiary. So these are quite uh, complex legal terms and and, and we, you know, it's, um, uh, you know, it's important that um, clients uh, understand these roles um, as they go down uh, and choose a structure such as this. It's quite good, um, this trust structure at, being able to accommodate uh, a number of uh, adult uh, adults that might be involved in running the business, so um, quite flexible there. Pe- people being able to join the business or or exit the business without having to trigger any uh, capital gains or other tax events, um, 
and so yeah it's quite a really useful vehicle for providing um uh, uh flexibility in terms of succession planning um and passing the, the the running of a business from one generation such as the parents uh to the next generation the kids so um so that's some of the advantages um you know some of the negatives of course uh you know that is a bit more complex to set up understand and administer um uh yeah but we find that you know the discretionary trust is uh, quite a good vehicle for some of those larger scale farming businesses um yeah we see trust being used to hold assets as well you know maybe the a farm purchase or or other assets so that's quite a common um, vehicle for, for buying the additional farm or, uh, and that, that creates that sort of protection there and, and separation of assets between the trading assets and the trading business and, and then and the, uh, just the, the land assets. Um, and yeah, trusts are really good at uh, managing uh, capital gains tax. Um, you know, you get a 50% capital gains tax discount um, when you uh, have assets in a, a trust. Uh, yeah, so that's another advantage. Uh, just moving on to companies now. Uh, this is, uh, again, another a level of complexity. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that's, that can be a negative with companies. Um, they are administered under the Corporations Act, uh, which is uh, administered by ASIC, a government organisation. So um, uh, again, there's roles and responsibilities in companies as directors, that oversee the day-to-day -day management of the, uh, the affairs of the company uh, and the shareholders are the ultimate owners of, of the company and all its uh, assets. Uh, and essentially the shareholders are the ultimate controllers of, of these, these uh, entities. Um, so yeah, so the, the company can be, can be good. There's a flat tax rate of 27.5% at the moment for a trading company, um, for a company that just owns assets and doesn't actually conduct active business, the tax rate is 30%. Um, it's a little bit different compared to trust and partnership in sole traders in the fact that um, essentially all the money gets and the cash and the profits get trapped in the, the company um, and can only be used by the company um, or if, if the owners wanna withdraw that cash out um, to use it for their own personal purposes. They need to take it out as either as a salary or as a dividend, which would usually be a frank dividend. Um, and then they can, and they can use that money for their own personal purposes. Um, but they do need to pay tax obviously on that salary on that frank dividend. So, um, it is a little more complex. There are div seven, a implications should, you know, someone withdraw cash out of a company, um, without, yeah, you know, treating it as a salary or a frank dividend. And yeah, the ATO have got quite stringent rules around um, that. Um, yeah, and another interesting thing with companies is that, um, you know, the, 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 the people involved in the business, whether they be the directors or employees or, or shareholders, um, they no longer become uh, eligible to use farm management deposits to manage tax planning. Um, and neither are they uh, eligible for primary production uh, tax averaging as well. So um, they lose that opportunity to do that. Um, but the, the upside is that you, you have a, a flat company tax rate, 27.5% each year. So tax planning becomes um, yeah, a little bit more simple in, in that, that context. Thanks, Matt. That's really good background there on sole trading, partnerships, trusts and companies. 
in your experience, do you think there is such a thing as a, a standard structure for primary production and what would this generally look like? Yeah, well, I suppose it, it does depend on the, the type of family, the size of the family and, and the other circumstances that that family bases, you know, and, and their plans and their goals. Um, but yeah, we see that for a, uh, a farming business of a reasonable scale um, with several family adult members involved, and making consistent profits, uh, we would see that the standard structure would be uh, the choice of a discretionary trust for the trading entity that with a corporate trustee um, acting as the trustee. Um, the, the corporate trustee then provides another level of asset protection there for the personal assets of the, uh, those people involved in the business. That company protects um, you know, any claims against the personal assets of, of those involved in the business. Um, and it really provides this structure, really um, the advantage of this structure is that it, yeah, it is flexible um, and allows yeah, adults, um, family members to come into the business, younger generations to be introduced into the business, to play a role, um, it offers the opportunity to spread taxable income across a number of adults, um, thus uh, delivering good tax benefits. And yeah, it really facilitates succession, succession from one generation, such as the parents, um, to the next gen generation of kids coming in and taking over. You know, so for example, um, you know, the the mum and dad, you know, if, if, when they were ready to opt out of the, the running of the business, they could resign as directors of that corporate trustee, uh, and they could, you know, resign as the appointor of the trust. Um, and 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 the, the the kids would would take up those roles and have sort of ultimate running and control of, of the, the, the trading entity. Thanks, Malcolm. You mentioned a term in there, which was a corporate trustee. I was just wondering if you're able to just elaborate a little bit on what that is. Yeah, so uh, when you choose a trust, uh, you can either elect to have individual trustees, so mum and dad or whoever it might be, um, or you can choose to have a company act as a trustee. Uh, the, the benefit there of having a company acting as a trustee and a trustee essentially responsible for the day-to-day -day running of the business on behalf of the beneficiaries of that trust. So they, they make the day-to-day -day decisions. Um, and so, yeah, a company has the advantage there of, um, you know, when you have a, say, a $2 company, um, there's no risk that uh, should something go wrong with the trading entity, you know, it becomes um, unable to pay its bills or it gets sued for a particular reason. Um, yeah, the 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 the, um, the the assets there of of the the individuals are protected, um, and they can't sue uh, sue the individuals um, as trustees because they're not. It's a company that's a trustee, and um, and yeah, there's limited liability in that sense. You mentioned before the concept of a uh, land holding trust. Is there? Is there any other structures that might be relevant for owning assets? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, we sometimes see self-managed super funds owning uh, assets such as farms, um, things like that. So that, that can be uh, an option. Um, again, it's quite tax effective with the earnings of super funds uh, capped at 15% tax rate. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a a good option for those that are in that good position there, you know, have a long-term plan of wanting to own farmland for a long, long term. Because obviously once 
money or funds are in, super funds are essentially locked there until, until retirement. Um, other, other options there for, I suppose, when people are looking to build off-farm wealth to help with maybe succession planning down the track to provide for non-farming kids. Uh, yeah, so quite often we might see investment trust set up. So that's essentially just a discretionary trust set up for the sole purpose of investing in such as shares and other um, uh, property. Uh, so that can be a good vehicle. You get uh, access to a 50% capital gains discount when investing in investment trust. Um, one thing to consider, however, is losses are trapped in trust. So you can't distribute losses out uh, to individuals. So for example, if you had a rental property that was negatively geared, um, those losses would be trapped there um, until uh, and you know, carried forward to use against uh, future profits. So sometimes, you know, we recommend that, you know, just buying um, rental properties and shares in own personal names, just as effective as uh, owning them in a, a trust and a lot more simpler and cost effectively to cost effective to set up. Um, so, yeah, and I suppose when, when thinking about investing in, in buying other farms or houses or shares, um, it is important to consider the, I suppose this 50% uh, capital gains tax discount that is available. Um, so that's available when you buy assets as an individual or in a trust. Um, however, it's not available when you buy land or assets in a company. So that's something to keep in mind. A super fund uh, only receives a 30, 33% capital gains tax discount. Uh, so yeah, they're important considerations to take into account when uh, making, making the decision. Um, and just one last point on that, Ben, when um, uh, making decisions there on where to, to, to buy assets or say a house or even the family home, uh, it's important that uh, our listeners remember that um, a primary residence uh, is uh, exempt from capital gains tax completely. Uh, so, um, but one, one catch here is that uh, if that primary residence is purchased in a trust or a company, uh, they no longer become eligible for that uh, a capital gains tax exemption. So um, might be a bit difficult to manage when, you know, the farming, the home is on the farm, but um, yeah, just something for our listeners to keep in mind there. Thanks, Malcolm. And just finishing off here, just, just wondering what would be some triggers for a business to think about changing its uh, entity or structure? Yeah, well, some of the triggers would be uh, change in family circumstances, such as um, getting married or having children. Um, you know, those children getting older and, and looking to enter the, the business and, and take a role in the running of the, the business. Uh, so succession and retirement of the older generation. So as mum and dad get older and looking to maybe um, sell up or hand, hand things on to, to the kids. Um, and that's obviously a trigger point uh, scale. So, you know, uh, a lot of our businesses are growing uh, and over time, you know, what, what worked initially in the startup phase, you know, in terms of taxable income and, and profits um, no longer works as they get bigger and more profitable and have got more taxable income to manage. So, that's where you know we we might see uh, over time you know sole trader partnership moves to a discretionary trust, and then even time as the business matures, you know maybe they go through the development phase and no longer you know spending a lot on water and other infrastructure, um, their profits are, are quite high, and you know maybe 
you know, over a hundred grand per adult uh, involved in the business. And then we might, they might be looking at a company structure, for example, with that, that lower tax rate that's um, been introduced at the company level. Um, so yeah, those are some of the, the things to consider. Risk is another trigger point, Ben, um, you know, the, the uh, as, as, as businesses get bigger or more complex or uh, taking on more staff, for example, um, their risks are always increasing. And so that's where um, it's important to have a, a, a risk protection strategy and, 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 and choosing a structure that delivers on that is important, such as a, you know, a trust with a corporate trustee or, or a company. Um, so yeah, that's some of the, some of the, the trigger points. Thanks, Malcolm. That's been fantastic for providing a snapshot of the pros and cons of each of the entity types. No worries, Ben. It's been a pleasure to speak to you today. Excellent. So yeah, ultimately, it's best to obtain professional advice in this area to determine what might best suit your situation. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And for more information, please refer to our website, which is www.proadvice.com.au. In the meantime, keep well, keep safe. Keep talking, keep connected.